It's the rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff, and it is Monday, November 22nd. What a day. Not always the best yesterday for a lot of folks out there. But I tell you what, I'm going to dive right into the first game here, and I'm not going to bury the lead. If you had Jonathan Taylor, you probably won. If you didn't have Jonathan Taylor, you probably lost. He put up a 50-burger in PPR 32 carries, 185 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns. He had three goal line carries scored on all three. He caught an additional three balls for 19 yards and a touchdown because why not? It was one of the best fantasy performances that we have seen in the last two decades. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal fantasy performance. And the icing on the cake of how good he actually is, and now everybody knows it. Remember, you could have gotten him in the second round when people were panicking a while back, and now here we are. So phenomenal stuff there. And really, there was no need for anybody to do anything else. Carson Wentz threw for the passing score to Taylor, but he was a non-factor. Michael Pittman was a non-factor, but they really didn't need to do much here in this game because of how great Taylor was. On the other side, Buffalo is a great example of uh, just the ebb and flow of fantasy football, and I think that ebb and flow does get lost in the shuffle as we're in the midst of each week. Josh Allen is fine. He's just not uh, matchup proof, I guess. And there's really nobody at the position that is. And I think there's an expectation out there that these guys should just simply put up video game numbers every single week. And that's not the case. He was quarterback 13. Didn't kill the week, but obviously didn't win the week for you either. Uh, In the backfield, it's a complete mess. Devin Singletary led the way with 21 snaps, 18 for Breda, 16 for Zach Moss. Yay. Uh, Stephon Diggs at least scored two touchdowns in this one. And Dawson Knox, 10 targets, caught six for 80, so he seems to be back. Moving on to Baltimore and Chicago, of course, on the Chicago side. Justin Fields was knocked out of this one with a ribs injury. Doesn't sound major, but we'll keep an eye on it. Andy Dalton goes out 201 and two scores. Of course, connecting with Darnell Mooney multiple times in this game. 16 targets for Mooney. He ends up with 121 and a score. Not the most efficient day, but honestly, whatever. (laughs) You know, when you put up those numbers. The answer to your question is no. Uh, He did this without Allen Robinson on the field. And as much as people want to crap all over Allen Robinson, he did it without Allen Robinson on the field. That context really does matter here. Uh, And the Marquise Goodwin, it was a one-week wonder for sure. On the other side, no uh, Lamar Jackson. And uh, I tell you what, that other pregame show, which I am on on CBS Sports Network, we had an interview with John Harbaugh about an hour before the inactives came out. So it was around 10.30 or so. And from the interview, I had said we were watching it in the back, uh, you know, in the bullpen. And I was like, Yeah, Lamar's not playing. You could tell exactly from how he was talking, and that's exactly what happened. And so, of course, not a big day for Rashad Bateman. I wouldn't worry there. Solid production, though, for Mark Andrews, so you got that. And, you know, the backfield, it's now decidedly just Freeman and Murray. Tyson Williams did not play a single snap. He did play special teams, though. Uh, So Freeman leading the way, 47 snaps. Murray, 30 snaps in a game where they were playing from behind. That's the context we need there. So Freeman looks great. Uh, but I still think this is going to be a little bit of a mess going forward. 
All right, on to Cleveland and Detroit. And we'll start on the Detroit side. Tim Boyle was as Danucci as he could be in this one. He went 15 of 23 for 77 yards. Yikes. So this one was really just all uh, DeAndre Swift. 14 for 136 in a score. And then he had three catches. He had no yards on the catches, but whatever. I'll take the three extra points. Uh, he is now, you know, really surging, and he's an he's an immediate top ten for the rest of the way. Uh, you probably already knew that. T.J. Hawkinson bounced back too. See, this is just tight end. He had eight targets in this game, so he's back to normal. Six for fifty-one. Not a massive week, but it'll get it done on the Cleveland side. Speaking of getting it done, as we expected, you know, Nick Chubb got it done. I mean, Nick Chubb is just an absolute stud. And he goes out, and this one goes for 130 yards on 22 carries, catches two for 14, and gets in the end zone as a receiver. So a great week out of him. Jarvis got in on a, a Wildcat uh, setup, so you know, and he kind of scrambled on it. Like <laughs> if you can scramble on a Wildcat, but he did, and uh, he got in on that. Otherwise, there's really not much to report here. Baker is obviously still pretty banged up. Uh, moving on to Houston and Tennessee, obviously a very surprising game here. Houston has some fight in them. They are a spirited team. There's no doubt about it. And Terod Taylor uh, is is seemingly a big part of that, right? He scored two rushing touchdowns in this game. Quarterback 11 for the week. Didn't throw for anything, but still really solid outing uh, for him. Now, in the backfield, David Johnson did lead the way in snaps, had 13 carries for 18 yards. Stay on brand, David Johnson. Rex Burkhead, 18 carries, but only for 40 yards, so nothing there. Uh, On the Tennessee side, for some reason, Dontrell Hilliard played 51 snaps in this game. Uh, Maybe it was because they're playing from behind and Peterson and, and Foreman are truly just splitting in the backfield. Peterson and Foreman each played 15 snaps, Hilliard 51, like I said. Uh, Hilliard, 7 for 35 on the ground, whatever, but 8 catches for 47 yards. We obviously have to pay attention to this. McNichols was in the concussion protocol, so he would have been replacing him. I I don't know. Uh, Also, Marcus Johnson disappeared, and it was Nick Westbrook-Akina in this one. 107 on 7 catches. Des Fitzpatrick in the end zone. A.J. Brown not. Yeah, exactly what we wanted. Four interceptions out of Tannehill as well. Yeah, fun. Anyway, uh, let's do Green Bay and Minnesota after a very quick break. So Aaron Rodgers did not practice this week. Coming into this game, though, we knew he was going to play. And play he did, 385 and 4. He actually ran for 20 yards as well. He's number two fantasy quarterback as of right now. He did this with what is believed to be a turf toe injury, and he is, you know, he's going to feel the effects of that. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on him. Don't get too carried away with Marquez Valdez Scantling. It was a long touchdown. He only had four catches in this one. Devontae Adams still clearly ahead. Josiah Deguara got in the end zone at tight end, but he only had two two targets. So he's going to be the guy people pick up this week, and then they are going to be you know wondering why he didn't score a touchdown next week or why he didn't put up good fantasy points. Uh, there's always a guy at tight end. A.J. Dillon, clearly the lead back. Uh, not the best game script for him. He goes 11 for 53, so he ran hard on the ground, but then added six for 44 as a receiver, so he salvaged a decent enough day in the process. On the Minnesota side, Justin Jefferson is just fantastic. Jefferson, 8 for 169 and two scores. He's the number one fantasy receiver so far this week. 
Uh, eight catches for 82 and a score for Adam Thielen, not too shabby himself. Dalvin Cook having a day, 22 for 86 and a score, uh, three on four for 29. He's a top 10 play this week. And Kirk Cousins, another solid week. I mean, hey, when's it going to end? I don't know, but I'm going to keep riding it in my two quarterback leagues. Prime example of why you don't draft quarterbacks until 10 or off the board in two quarterback leagues, not in your regular one quarterback leagues. Miami and the Jets will start with Michael Carter. It's believed to be a high ankle sprain, but a mild high ankle sprain. That's typically a one to three week absence. Nine for 63. He really looked good in this game too before the injury. If it's not him, then it'll be Tevin Coleman uh, as the lead early down back. No appeal there. Flacco. I saw a lot of people doing the Flacco stacko. 291 and two for Joe Flacco. Because why not? Anytime there's a widespread perception out there, that perception is usually wrong. Everybody wanted to jump on the Joe Flacco joke bandwagon, and he wasn't that bad. He really wasn't. And he really connected well with Elijah Moore. 8 on 11 for 141 and a score. Corey Davis, not much of a factor, just 3 for 35. It's going to be back and forth between these two. I don't think this is just all Elijah Moore going forward, but in this game, it certainly was. Miami just couldn't defend him. Uh, Crowder got in the end zone as well. Moving over to the Miami side, it, it continues. Without Malcolm Brown out there, you're going to see a ton of Miles Gaskin, and we did. 23 for 89, and then 3 for 7 and a score. He's a top 10 play this week. He's not the most effective, not the most efficient, but when you get volume, you get volume. Mike Kosicki bouncing back. Not a great week, but he had five catches for 50 yards. Can't be too upset about that. Jalen Waddle, another massive workload, but low dot targets for him. Eight for 65 on nine targets. It's still, in PPR, I don't really care. I don't care if they're low dot. New Orleans and Philly. On the Philly side, Is it, it, did Jalen Hurts do enough yet? I mean, what, what does this dude have to do for people to stop complaining? 18 for 69 and three rushing scores. Uh, he didn't do anything as a passer, but whatever. I, I, again, I, I don't care how we get the points. We just need to get the points. Uh, if you played Dallas Goddard, you were rewarded with five catches for 62. I mean, it's top 12 week. The backfield, Jordan Howard was banged up, uh, but Miles Sanders, 36 snaps, 29 for Scott, 13 for Howard. Uh, Howard ran well again, and so did Sanders. Sanders is, like I said, though, the lead back right now. Uh, Devonta Smith came back to earth a little bit, but still looks so he's so much fun to watch. Uh, ended up four for 61 on the New Orleans side. No Alvin Kamara, so like we expected, lots and lots of Mark Ingram played 47 snaps, 16 for 88 on the ground. Not bad. But then 6-for-25 as a receiver, very good. Top 12 week for him. Tony Jones was back on the field, but it's very clear that Ingram is ahead of Tony Jones. Uh, Really didn't get anything out of the wide receivers. It was pretty much just Adam Troutman, who will check. He was a little dinged up in this game, too. 5-for-58 and a score, though, for Troutman. So that preseason hype may be finally coming to fruition here for Troutman. Washington and Carolina, Cam Newton, man. Cam Newton. I don't know what it is, but him in a Carolina Panthers uniform, uh, he performs for fantasy purposes. He threw two passing scores, one to DJ Moore, one to, of course, Christian McCaffrey, and he ran for a score as well. Goes 10 for 46 and a score on the ground. Only 189 passing yards, but who cares? It's a top five fantasy week right now, and we'll take it out of DJ Moore. Five for 50 and a score. I'll take it. 
I'll take it. You know, honestly, McCaffrey goes 10 for 59 on the ground. Not fantastic, but 5.9 per carry. And then seven for 60 as a receiver. He's a top five guy right now, and he'll stay there. Uh, He's three right now. Uh, Moving over to the Washington side. And with Washington in this one, I mean, heading into this one, I had said, all right, this is a tough matchup for Antonio Gibson, but we're going to continue to stay the course. He had 19 for 95. Now, the problem is that's not going to do much for you for fantasy purposes, but he had 19 for 95. And I know people are going to bitch about that, but honestly, 19 for 95. I don't think that's that's that bad. Uh, McScorin goes 5 for 103. He was pretty good. And a score, uh, DeAndre Carter getting in the end zone and Cam Sims in the end zone. So Taylor Heineke putting up a top 10 fantasy week on just 206 yards, but three passing scores are going to get it done. Uh, right there. All right, let's move on to San Francisco and Jacksonville. And on the San Francisco side, of course, we had no Elijah Mitchell. He couldn't get back on the field for this one, but the anticipation is this is not going to sideline him for long. We had a Trey Sermon sighting, but as we expected, there was more Jeff Wilson than Trey Sermon. 20 touches for Wilson, 11 for Sermon. And when Mitchell is back, it'll be 20 for Mitchell and 11 for Wilson. Basically, that sort of distribution. Not much doing there for Wilson, despite the volume. So that was no fun. And, uh, you know, really not much doing overall. Kittle got in the end zone. Four for 34, though. Nothing special. And Brandon Ayu continuing to be okay down the stretch. On the Jacksonville side, uh, it was bad. It was just straight up bad. I mean, you probably lost Jamal Agnew for the season. You had a total of zero targets for the tight ends. Don't freak out if you have Dan Arnold. You had the Jags run like four plays in the first 15 minutes of this game because San Francisco had like a thousand play drive to start the game out. And they basically ate up almost the entire first quarter, which is crazy. So there's not much we can take away from this one. There really isn't on the Jacksonville side. Anyway, moving on, Cincinnati and Vegas. Kind of crazy. If you would have told me that Joe Mixon wouldn't have any catches, you say, where would he wind up? I'd say he'd probably be a mid-range RB2. Uh, But he scored two touchdowns as a runner. 30 for a 123 and two scores. Don't panic about Joe Burrow. It's going to be up and down. He's not locked in as a top 10 quarterback. So just... Keep that long view, the entire picture. Some weeks will be up, some weeks will be down. This was one of the weeks that unfortunately was down. On the other side, Darren Waller breaking out of a slump. I'll be honest, I didn't see this one coming, and I'm happy about that. I lost my player prop bet on him. I'm happy about it because I do have him in a crucial dynasty league where I needed some production, and he goes 7 for 116 on 8 targets. He kind of was the only thing doing here. I mean, I guess it wasn't terrible out of Josh Jacobs because he did pitch in five catches. This has continued, by the way. John Gruden did not view him as a viable weapon out of the backfield. The new like interim regime now is viewing him that way. Seven targets for him in this one, only two for Kenyon Drake. Hunter Renfro was, I mean, kind of the best of a bad situation. There was almost no targets here for the wideouts. Only six total. He had four of them. He caught all four for 30 yards. Better days will be ahead. That's the moral of the story there. Speaking of better days, hopefully better days are ahead for Dallas and Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City won this game, but for fantasy purposes, there was not much here. 
If you are panicking about Patrick Mahomes, if you are having the same reaction somebody said to me this morning was, I am starting Kirk Cousins ahead of him the rest of the season. Come on, we just we just did this, and it didn't work. Two weeks ago, we were panicking about Mahomes, and he comes back and has one of the best fantasy performances of the year. So no worries there. Nine catches for Tyreek Hill, so still solid for 77 yards. And, of course, Travis Kelsey ran for a touchdown. Uh, the distribution between Edwards Allaire and Daryl Williams, even though they basically were close in snaps, uh, Williams actually outsnapped him 36-32. The touch distribution was a 70-30 split. 14 for Clyde Edwards Hilaire, 6 for Daryl Williams. Edwards Edwards Hilaire is the lead back as we, well, as I expected. Not everybody expected that, but that is certainly what I expected. And that's not going to change going forward. Uh, all right, a lot to unpack on the Dallas side. No Mari Cooper in this one. He will not play on Thursday. Remember, Thursday is Thanksgiving. I will do my best on Wednesday to not only give you rankings, but some wide receiver cornerback matchup info as well. I'm not going to do a pod on Thursday, but I will be doing a radio show on Sirius XM, so make sure you tune into that. Normal time, like usual there. But no Amari Cooper, no C.D. Lamb it looks like because he is in the concussion protocol. Maybe no Ezekiel Elliott. He hurt his ankle in this one, so you might have all Tony Pollard in that game. If Tony Pollard is the lead back, he is an instant top 10, if not top 5 guy. They have Corey Clement on the roster. He would be the number two. He would not be worth picking up because this is expected to be a short-term absence, if there's any absence for Zeke. Wide receiver-wise, Michael Gallup will be the lead going forward You know, for this week. Remember, Cooper will be back very likely the following week. And if Lamb is... If it's a normal concussion, ordinarily he would make the progress through and get out on a Friday. That's why nobody's expecting him to play for this one. It's usually the five steps. There's just almost no way you can get through it by a Thursday game if you had the concussion occur on a Sunday. So it would be Gallup. You'll have Noah Brown, who actually played 42 snaps this week, Cedric Wilson as well, and then Malik Turner would be the fourth receiver there uh, for Dallas. Don't worry too much about Dak, although this week Dak is going to be downgraded because of all the weapons he's lacking. Arizona, Seattle, no Kyler in this one. So my word to the wise is Zach Ertz did this. This is one of those where we're going to look back to it, not look forward from it. We're not going to say, oh, Zach Ertz has had two touchdowns. He was the number one fantasy tight end. Therefore, he's back. Zach is back. The Zach attack, all of that. No. It happened. It's the high water mark. It's great that it happened, especially if you started him. But this being an expectation, especially when Kyler comes back, who does not do dink and dunk passing like Colt McCoy, is a bit far-fetched. Rondale Moore showing us why maybe we should still be stashing him, right? He had 11 catches. Now, at negative nine air yards. So he was being targeted behind the line of scrimmage basically the whole time. But you know what's going to happen. People are going to drop Christian Kirk for Rondale Moore. Christian Kirk will go off next week, and then they'll drop Rondale Moore for Christian Kirk, and the cycle just endlessly repeats itself because we can't learn from the past. <laughs> anyway, James Conner, 21 for 62 and a score, 5 for 37. That's 26 touches there, and that is a top 10 fantasy week. As long as Chase Edmonds is out, he can see that volume on the Seattle side. Nothing was really working for Seattle in this one, except maybe Tyler Lockett. I mean, he only had four catches, but he goes for a buck 15. DK had eight targets, so he did out-target Lockett eight to five, but not a big day for DK. I'm going to exercise patience here with Russ. 
The backfield is a bit of a mess. Rashad Penny looked like he was, I mean, he looked great on one run and then he got hurt like usual. So <laughs> yay. Uh, and DJ Dallas, of course, scores the touchdown, not Alex Collins. It's a mess. It's a mess. And we're going to want to avoid that backfield if we can get away with it. Uh, moving on to the final game on the slate here for the weekend, Pittsburgh and the Chargers. Mike Williams showing us exactly who he is. He is a super low floor, super high ceiling guy. And we saw the super high ceiling. Five for 97 and a score that's a top 10 week. Maybe not super high with that, but that's still pretty freaking good. Nine for 112 for Keenan Allen on 13 targets. He basically, well, he more than doubled up uh, Mike Williams in targets. The tight ends continue to be a stay away from because they're going to spread the ball around, even though Donald Parham had four for 38, eh. Three for 28 for Jared Cook, eh. This one was all about Austin Eckler. I'll bury the lead, man. He had four touchdowns in a single NFL football game. 50 on the ground with two scores, and then six for 65 and two scores as a receiver. Austin Eckler is fun. On the other, and Justin Herbert was pretty good too. On the other side, uh, solid outing here from Deontay Johnson. This is exactly what we wanted to see in this contest. He goes up over a hunch, seven on 13 targets for 101 and a score. Chase Claypool is solid enough, five for 93. I'll take that. I mean, it's a tight end, or it's a wide receiver two week. Both tight ends, speaking of tight end, both tight ends scored. Awesome. I would hope I would have loved to have been Fryermuth twice, but he ends up going four catches for 11 yards, but gets the touchdown. So that's all that matters. Uh, with Ebron out there, they're going to use him though. Najee Harris was a little banged up in this one, but it seems like he's okay. Fingers crossed. 12 for 39 and a score, not great, but the touchdown makes a difference. And then catches five balls for 20 yards, solid. Top 12. That's all you really need. All right, that wraps things up for today. I will be back tomorrow. We'll talk waivers tomorrow, then a little bit of a deluxe edition on Wednesday for uh, the ranking show and wide receiver cornerback all in one on Wednesday. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side, though. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.